Good morning, New Hope Church. So glad that you could join us this Thursday on our TNT devotionals. My name is Matt Armendariz, the other Matt A that works here at New Hope Church, uh, with the other one being Matt Osick, who's our high school pastor at our uh, Alvin campus. And, and I get to have the pleasure of serving as the high school pastor at our Friendswood campus. Uh, I'm so glad to be here with you guys this morning. I, I think it's cool that we have people from literally all over the place uh, in our country, in our state, and, and really in this world uh, who watch and participate in these devotionals uh, that have been going on for almost a year now. So uh, pretty crazy to think about what this last year has uh, really brought about and brought to us. And so if you would right now, uh, would you put in the chat and just let us know where you're watching from? Uh, just to serve as a reminder that uh, it's not just people in the Houston area that watch this, but uh, people from all over. And a really cool community that we've built uh, on our online platforms uh, with things like the iCampus rolling out and, and all that kind of stuff. And shows that God can really work and bring about some good in the midst of uh, some, some chaos that has been uh, the past year. So uh, glad that you have uh, decided to join us this morning um, and look forward to the next uh, however long it takes us uh, to go through this. And I hope that the past few weeks, uh, as we've been looking at prayer, that it has uh, enriched your prayer life uh, while also stirring your affections for Jesus. And this morning, we're going to continue to learn about prayer. And if you would, go ahead and grab a Bible and open that bad boy up to Luke 15. We're going to be looking at uh, several verses that you can follow along. So grab a Bible and we can do that together. It's going to help you there. And while you're getting up and going and getting your Bible or you're uh, flipping over to, to Luke, uh, I just want to give you some quick updates. One of them is very personal for me, and I think most people know, but uh, for those who watch the devotionals, maybe, and you don't ever see me or don't know who I am, I um, just want to say my wife and I uh, are expecting a child in June, and I've got a picture on my phone because everything nowadays is so digital. Uh, let's see if I can get the camera to focus on it. Look, that right there is our little nugget. Uh, it's a boy. I don't necessarily, uh, we don't have a name yet. Uh, we've been asked that, but we're about 24 weeks in, and uh, super, super excited for, for, that, for that kid to come along, uh, coming in June, like I said. Uh, but he is our first, and so poor guy is our little uh, guinea pig, uh, because we have no clue what we're doing. But if you've got some advice, uh, some sage wisdom on what it means to be a parent, would love to hear it. And you feel free at any moment, at any time to uh, send in my way because I want to be the best parent I can and want to learn from the wisdom of those who have gone before me because this, this kid here uh, that I'm having, he's, he's the guinea pig. He, he's the one who uh, gets the first go around for everything. So he's going to be spoiled, uh, which is not always the best thing, but he's the guinea pig. So it's like kind of a pros and cons, I guess, to being the firstborn. I'm the firstborn, so kind of been there, done that, so I understand. So... Uh, pass that along to, to my son, who will be here in just a few months. So really, really, really excited about that. Uh, so things going on uh, with our church uh, is just really the goodness of God put on display. Uh, there's so much going on uh, that I could sit here and list all the, the incredible things that God has been doing here at New Hope Church. And, and I think one of those things is coming up here in just a few weekends, uh, and that's Easter. So we've got Easter services coming up. 
And it's going to be really, really, really great, I think, for us to be together during Easter because last year, if you remember, we didn't get to have in-person Easter services. So this year it's going to be extra special to be together, um, as great as it was to be with family and stuff at home. Um, there's something unique about the family of God gathering together to worship the risen Savior on Easter. So go online at newhopechurch.tv and you can look at our Easter times for each different campus and uh, as well as online. So I think it's going to be some really, really great uh, time together to gather for the church to worship and lift high the, the risen Savior, Jesus. So uh, another thing that we've been able to do here recently is uh, what Pastor Tim called Snowvid, uh, which was our uh, ice storm, winter storm, snow, if that's what we call it in Houston. Uh, it just being really cold and knocking out a lot of power, and it really affected a lot of families. And uh, we put our feelers out. Uh, as a church, uh, you got to hear your campus pastor uh, or you got to hear Pastor Tim even just say, hey, we want to help families who have been affected by this and take care of people in our church and take care of our community. And we've been able to do so much because of the generous giving of those who have given to that and people in our church. And really cool that when we ask our church to step up, uh, that New Hope Church steps up and, and really does everything they can to take care of people. So we've been able to really impact a ton of families and, and uh, reach out and minister to a lot of families that have been deeply affected by this uh, snowstorm that came through a few weeks back. And uh, you'll get to hear from your campus pastors and Pastor Tim even talk about that more, I'm sure. But it's really cool to, to see the church being the church. And that's uh, really what we got to see, right, with, with us reaching out to, to families and, and people gathering together to generously give and uh, take care of those who are in need, take care of the vulnerable. And um, really, the church being the church is kind of what we're going to talk about today as we uh, look at um, another thing to pray for and another way to be praying actively, uh, and that is praying for the lost, uh, those who do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, those who and do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God and died on a cross and rose again. And there are tons of statistics on, on the number of people who don't know Jesus. Um, there are literally over a billion people in this world who do not know Jesus and don't have an opportunity to even hear about Jesus because they live in a place that either doesn't have um, a church that they can go to or it doesn't have proper access to resources, uh, whether that be a Bible or a gospel tract or anything like that. So there is a great need here for prayer. And my hope is at the, at the end of this that we would be able to develop a heart to pray for those who do not know Jesus. Because when you, when you really begin to pray about something in particular and it's on your heart, it's on your mind, uh, then you begin to develop that burden for that thing and, and it spurs you onto action. So... That, that's kind of what we're hoping for at the, end of, at the end of today's devotional. And that also you would be given a kind of a practical tool to use to share your faith with someone that you might be interacting with who needs to hear about Jesus. So we want to be people who pray uh, for the lost. We want to be people who share the gospel with the lost and that our church is known for uh, people who are living on mission to see the lost come to know Christ. 
So if you have a Bible, Luke chapter 15, that's where we're going to be. That's where we're at right now this morning. And so uh, it says this here. Look at that. I didn't even flip to it yet. Luke chapter 15 right here. It says this. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So we can stop right there. There's just two quick verses about how Jesus is with tax collectors and sinners. And they had gathered around to listen to him. And that there's Pharisees and scribes, you know, the, the religious people of that time, who kind of butt heads with Jesus often because they, they knew um, the ways of God here in their head, but not here in their heart. And they say, this man uh, eats sinners, uh, eats with sinners, and he welcomes them into uh, his presence. And that really kind of bothers them, I think. And so let's just like stop and, and see uh, that we're already getting a beautiful picture of the heart of Jesus uh, right here in this verse. Uh, because before he has even spoken a word to these people to teach, he's already been sending a message with his actions. That, that Jesus welcomes those regardless of their past and brokenness. And, and the marginalized and the oppressed uh, matter uh, to Jesus. That the rich and the wealthy, they matter to Jesus. That those who have all the right answers in their head, but not their heart, matter to Jesus. The ones who can't seem to get their life right, they matter to Jesus. Before he's even spoken a word to begin his teaching, his actions have already sent a message. And could that be said about us? And I think that there's times where I have to stop and think, and I'm like, what message am I sending before I even speak a word? Sometimes I, I think I'm way too prideful or way too apathetic or way too impatient and uh, anyone who's around me can immediately sense that before I even say a word. And there's times where I need to just repent from those things and say, you know what, I've, I've fallen short and I need to be better. And so are we sending the right message with our actions before we even speak a word? So it kind of requires a heart check, the, the first two verses, verse 1 and 2. Uh, like, man, are we in a place where our actions are speaking and sending a message to those around us. And the message that Jesus was sending to every person around him was that every person around him was important. That as we move forward in this text, in the rest of this devotional, that we have to get that part right, that every person is important. Every person. And if every person is important to us, then it will compel us to just pray for them and reach out to them. To, to take intentional time to honestly communicate with God about them on their behalf, and especially those who don't know Jesus. And so, like, let's look at verses three and four, the next set here. It says, And so he told them this parable What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the ninety nine in the open country and then go after the one that is lost until he finds it? What a fascinating uh, way to teach this in a fascinating 
scenario that Jesus is drawing out here in this parable. So he's using a parable, and a parable is just a short story that illustrates a big truth. And Jesus uses these all the time. It's one of his most popular ways of teaching is using parables, short stories with big truths. And so this is an example of one here. And he speaks of a person having 100 sheep, which is a good sign of wealth, uh, generally. And so one goes missing. And in this story, the owner leaves his 99 to go find the lost one. And now there's a lot to unpack there, but if we don't have the time to really dive into it and to look at what that all means and what all that entails, but there are a couple of lessons we can probably draw from here that he would leave the 99 sheep in the open country in order to go find this one lost sheep. That he would be willing to leave the 99 for the one. And we'll see exactly what that means for us. Verse 5. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. He finds it and he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. So instead of scolding the sheep and telling the sheep how bad of a sheep that sheep is, he joyfully finds it, picks up the sheep, and carries it home. Interesting response here because uh, I think about like just the other day, my dog got out. Um, you know, sometimes she gets out. And one time, actually, when I lived in another town about five or six years ago, she got out and she was gone for like a week, couldn't find her. But then we ended up finding her. But just the other day, my dog got out, and uh, because the back gate was open, and, you know, she's just wandering around the neighborhood. I have no idea. And I was driving around for probably about 20 minutes or so, and I found her. And uh, let me tell you, I did not happily pick her up and take her home. I was very annoyed, and I was very frustrated. Uh, I scolded her and told her, no, we don't do that. Uh, and... That's what I feel like the response of this person should have been, finding their lost sheep. I mean, there's a hundred sheep. Like, it's like, hey, I found the lost one. Look what you did, one sheep. You made me leave everyone else just so I could find you. But that's not the response. The person finds the sheep and with joy is able to bring them back. More than that, they take time to gather all the neighbors and all their friends and they throw a fat party. A party over a sheep. Like, why is that sheep even important? And well, later on uh, in this passage, we'll see that this parable, this short story with a big truth, tells us that we are the sheep. That every person is important to Jesus, and he's willing to go through great lengths to bring us back. To find us and bring us home with him. And he's even willing to suffer and die the most gruesome death on a cross all because he loves us. And what good news is that for people like you and me? And what hope is that for people who are lost, who are the one, who haven't been brought back home yet? And what God has called his church to do is to follow the example 
and to go and find the one. Find the one who is lost and who is important to Jesus. Because every person is important to Jesus. And here at New Hope, our mission is to know Christ and make him known. And we can spend all day and night knowing Christ. But that second part is just as important. It's two sides of the same coin. We want to know Christ and make him known. Now, those two things work hand in hand. You know, a few years ago, actually, I was watching, um, I got really into watching magic tricks. uh, and, And people make fun of me for this, but... I, I always thought that like card tricks and sleight of hand and all that was really, really cool. So I was uh, really into watching, watching those. I uh, don't know how to do any, but uh, like I said, I'm too impatient. But I, I got really into watching this particular show called uh, like Penn and Teller uh, Fool Us or something like that. And you basically have these two like famous Las Vegas magicians. They're incredible. Uh, and guys uh, and girls go on this show and they try to do an act and they try to like fool Penn and Teller and... Uh, perform a trick and maybe that Penn and Teller don't know how to do. And these two guys are, are really great. They're really, uh, the show's really cool. So if you ever go watch on YouTube, you know, you can go find clips of it. Some of the tricks are really, really great. Uh, and most of the time, Penn and Teller, they can, they can figure out or they know, oh yeah, I know how he did that trick. That's this particular method or whatever. Uh, well, there's a story about Penn Gillette, who is the guy, one of the guys on the show. Uh, he's an atheist, uh, um, Someone who's a great guy, but he's uh, not a believer in Jesus and very um, outspoken about that. And uh, there's a show that they did. And after the show, a man comes up and talks to Penn and he gives him, uh, a, gives him a Bible. And they have a very respectful conversation. And then Penn tells his story. And you can go and find this on YouTube as well. Uh, but he tells his story that he has like a really deep respect for that person because uh, that person was really nice, really respectful, wasn't really getting in his face about about you know him being an atheist and so on and so forth and uh, he he says the story and then he kind of has two questions that he asks that serve as kind of a gut punch of conviction uh, right right here right here and he says um, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize or share your faith how much do you have to hate someone to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? How much do you have to hate someone to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? And so what he's saying is that he respects people who attempt to share their faith because they believe in a heaven and a hell and they don't want people to go to hell, they want people to go to heaven. And he says he doesn't believe in heaven or hell, but he respects people that do because if they genuinely do believe that, then they would have to hate someone to not tell them. And he uses this example about if a truck is driving straight towards you, I would have to hate you to not tell you that that truck is about to hit you. So we, we, we know Christ, but do we want to make him known as much as we want to know him? And so I want to give you three ways real quick uh, on how we, can, how we can do that based on what we read. Uh, number one, uh, just identify your one. Identify your one. And, and there's a, a book called The Spiritual Multiplication in the Real World. Uh, it's by Bob McNabb. It's a book on evangelism and, and missions uh, and discipleship. And in that book, they do a ton of research basically on like, why are we so bad at evangelism in the Western church here, especially here in America? Uh, why are we so bad? How, how can we get this so wrong all the time? And, and Christians can live most of their life and rarely ever share their faith in a real tangible way. Uh, and one of the reasons why... Um, 
people struggle with it outside of, you know, it's awkward or it's not politically correct or whatever, uh, is because we normally don't have a particular audience that we're trying to reach, uh, that we don't have a particular person that we're trying to intentionally share with. And the book really says, like, you're, statistically speaking, you're more likely to share your faith with someone you know versus a stranger. So who is your one? And, and when you identify your one, you can begin to pray for your one. And when I say pray for your one, I mean you pray for them to know Jesus. And you pray for you to have an opportunity to have a spiritual conversation with them. You pray for God to give you the words to say when that moment arises. Uh, because it's hard to have focused prayer when you don't have a focused uh, person to pray for. If we, if we want to have focused prayer, we have to have a focused person to pray for. And uh, when you identify your one, it helps us take those next steps to begin sharing our faith with those people. Um, so who's your one? Maybe write that down. Uh, do more than just take a mental note of it uh, so that you can intentionally take time to pray for them. Who's your person? I mean, it could be a, a family member. It could be a coworker. It could be anyone. Remember, every person is important to Jesus, and he wants to use us, the church, to reach them. Uh, number two, uh, share your story. So you've identified your one. Well, share your story. Uh, this is the thing that, like, we, we all have a story, everyone. Uh, some people have a story that's more radical than others. You know, not all of us are like the mob boss that came and spoke at our church. You know, Michael Franzis. Not all of us have been, uh, you know, high up mobsters and done things that mobsters do. Uh, that's not all of us. Uh, some people maybe became a Jesus follower at six years old and were baptized. And you know what? Praise God. That's incredible. And some people are former gangsters. Some people are uh, people who were atheists until they're 40 years old. And then all of a sudden they met Christ. Whatever your story is, your story is important. Your story matters. And you have one. And your story can be used for the glory of God to help people understand who Jesus is. So either way, we have a story. So simple, simple steps to share your story. Uh, there's three things, right? Number one is like, who was I? Who was I? Maybe you could focus on a word here. So I was broken. I was lost. I was prideful. Whatever that word might be, uh, you can maybe center your story around that word on who I was. And then the second part, right? Who I was. And then right here is this point where you met Jesus. So how did you meet Jesus? How did you know about the life of Jesus, his sinless life, uh, his death on a cross in our place, and then three days later, he rose again on our behalf. And so whoever puts their faith in him can have eternal life. Simple gospel right there. Who I was, how did I meet Jesus? Was I at church? Was I at church camp? Was I reading my Bible randomly? Did someone tell me their story or share the gospel with me? What was it and how did you meet Jesus? And then afterwards, who are you now? And maybe you use a different word. So for example... Uh, if you're going with the, like, who I was, uh, how I met Jesus, and then who I am now, maybe it looks like this. Uh, I was broken and lost, uh, but I met Jesus at church camp, and I realized that he loved me and died on the cross and rose again. And so I turned from my sin, and I put my faith in him. And now he's made me whole and given me a purpose. Boom. Short, simple truth. There's a story right there. And, and I realize maybe your one uh, already knows your story. Maybe you've known them for years. Maybe you've known them your whole life. Uh, that's fine. They can hear it again. 
they can also see the way that you live. You can spend more time focusing maybe on that middle part, on how you met Jesus, because maybe they know you then and know you now, but maybe they don't know exactly how to understand or comprehend that middle part about how Jesus came, lived, died, rose again, and then will one day come back for us. So that's, there's ample opportunity there within sharing your story uh, to present to people what Jesus has done for you and who you were versus who you are now. Because second, uh, <clears throat> second Corinthians 5.17 tells us, right, that anyone who's in Christ uh, is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So we can talk about that um, with Scripture there too. So uh, let me give you a quick word of encouragement, though, because I think it can be discouraging when you're sharing your story, you're sharing your faith, and people don't come to know Christ. Trust me, I get it. I, I teach to a bunch of teenagers sometimes that just have blank faces on their face when I'm teaching them, um, and it feels like things aren't necessarily clicking for them. Uh, our job as believers is to sow seed and to water. We sow, we water, we sow, we water. And uh, God, though, causes the growth. And 1 Corinthians 3, 7 tells us that. Neither he who sows or waters is of anything, but it's God who causes the growth. So God is the one who will save who he saves. Uh, our job is to water and sow, and sow, and sow, and water, and water. And that is our job as believers. So we want to share our faith. We want to give people an opportunity. We want them to hear the truth. Uh, and then outside of that, um, God will take care of the rest. He will cause the growth. So that is uh, what our responsibility is, share with people who Christ is and what he's done uh, with our words and our actions. And I think our story can do both. And then the last thing, and then we're done, um, is that you just invite them to church, especially Easter. And uh, I say that not because uh, I want to see our buildings packed out just for the sake of being crowded and lots of people at church so we can tally up the sheet. Nobody wants that. Uh, what we want is we want as many people as possible to hear about Jesus. And I, I say this uh, too so that you can be praying uh, for the lost and praying for the one uh, and that as you do that you develop a burden for them and you'll be prone and pushed to action uh, and, and there's nothing uh, sweeter than seeing someone who needs Jesus come to know Jesus, then get part, uh, plugged in and become part of the family of God in a local church. And I think that Easter is an easy way to invite people to church because, let's be real, uh, people who normally don't go to church, they'll come to church on Christmas Eve and Easter. And those are great opportunities for them to hear about Jesus and for you to invite them to our church. And so like I said earlier, newhopechurch.tv slash, mm, I don't know, just go to the website probably be on the front page there. So you'll see our, our Easter service times uh, because that's a, a great thing to invite them to. And, and let me say this too about inviting people to church. Um, I think this is maybe the most basic thing we can do because it's the easiest thing we can do. Let's not always use invite to church uh, as the same thing as evangelism or sharing your faith. Uh, Pastor Tim should not be the only person that talks about Jesus from the stage with your one. You and me, we should be sharing our faith with our one. We should be sharing our faith with those around us. Uh, we shouldn't rely on Pastor Tim or Pastor Howard or Jeremy or Mike or Colin or Carl or whoever comes and teaches at our church, because you know they're going to teach about Jesus, that we shouldn't rely on them to be the sole person to share uh, about Jesus from a platform with them. I mean, that's great that they're going to hear that and praise God for that, that we have a church that teaches and preaches Jesus. But let's do our part, too, as the body of Christ, to share our faith with, with those around us. Um, I, I don't want us to be using 
a church service as a crutch. Um, it's just a simple tool. So we can do both. Like, let's share our faith uh, tangibly with people, and then at the same time, let's also invite them to church. Uh, so uh, identify your one and pray for them. Uh, pray that they would know Christ. Pray that you would have an opportunity to share your story uh, and an opportunity to invite them to church. And when they come to church, man, maybe they'd make a decision. But hopefully they make a decision when you share your story and your faith with them first. God wants to do so much through us. Uh, I'll, tell you, I'll say that. He wants to do so much through us, his church. Uh, he came to seek and save the lost, and every person is important to him. And so let's develop a heart and a habit of praying for people who do not know him. Because every person is important to Jesus. That being said, let's pray together right now. Uh, God, there are billions in this world who do not know you. There are billions in this world, God, who are missing out on the abundant life uh, that you have promised those who follow you. And I pray, God, that you would use us, the church, that you'd use the body of Christ to reach those people, that you would place on us a burden for the lost, a burden for those who, who don't know you, uh, that you'd give us the boldness to share our faith, that you'd give us a, a, a deep desire um, and excitement to see people repent and, and turn to you, to turn from their sin and trust in you. God, be with us as we need your help more than anything. We love you too, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, church family, love y'all, and we'll see you this weekend.